on today's episode. Watch this. trying to talk to him about it when the next thing I know I hear Wee! and down the chute he is going go to the right and he's trying to steer and it's gonna go off this little ledge and he's gonna die all kinds of tales from all kinds of tellers here on the Appleseed it's time for the Appleseed in each episode of the show we bring you a couple of stories from favorite storytellers the stories will entertain you and inspire you they'll get you thinking they'll even help your family tell your own stories i'm sam payne your host and our first story is from the great storyteller antonio sacri now antonio has both cuban and irish american roots and uh, this story is about unexpected winter delights antonio grew up in delaware but visited his massachusetts cousins often learning how to ice skate in the bitter cold. And when his own son was a toddler, they lived in Los Angeles. And they go in this story on the hunt for real live snow in the mountains. If you've ever loved a winter wonderland, then this story is for you. If you've ever watched wide-eyed as someone practices a skill you've taught them, then this is a story for you. If you've ever wanted to pass on the love of nature and family, then this is a story for you. Here's Antonio Sacre with the story Pancakes for Dinner, recorded live in the Appleseed Studio. When my son was two years old, he asked me what snow was. Living in Los Angeles, he had never seen it. And again, it brought back memories to me. And I immediately started telling him all of the snow stories I had growing up in Delaware. Now, Delaware is not as snowy as many other places, but when it does snow in Delaware, the whole state shuts down. We only need three inches of snow, and we'd run to the radio and find out if our school was canceled the next day. Do you remember snow days? Do you get them here in Utah? You probably don't. You probably need like six feet of snow before you get a snow day. Delaware, you need two or three inches of snow. You get a snow day, six feet, shuts down the state for a long long, long time. That happened once when I was younger. And so I told my son that snow, he was two and a half before his sister was born. Snow falls from the sky and he's trying to think, oh, what is that going to be? And then I remembered my mom putting us in the Valari and driving north to Boston. My mom has four brothers and sisters and all of those family members had many kids. So there are 15 cousins from Eileen Rose, the oldest, all the way down through little Marky Keefe, the youngest. 15 cousins, all born within eight years of each other, one after another in every family. And we would go, and my cousin Maddie was the exact same age as I. Maddie lived near a cranberry bog. Do you know what a cranberry bog is? In Massachusetts, where my family lived, uh, some of them lived near cranberry bogs. They grow cranberries, uh, they look like plants, but in the winter, for some reason, they cover them in water, and they are preserved in the water. I don't know how it works necessarily, but we would go skating on the cranberry bogs. So you would skate on this clear ice, and you'd look down, and there were the red berries underneath your feet. Now, in Massachusetts, there is the time of the year when everyone tests the ice to see if it's safe enough 
to go ice skating. And the way they do it is they send the youngest, dumbest kid <laughs> to skate under the ice. And when he or she falls through, they realize it's not good enough. And then we wait and we wait and we wait. And then finally, it's good enough to go ice skating. My uncle is a retired firefighter. And it was, uh, it's, I made a joke of it. And I should, shouldn't be so light about it. Because every winter, he was tasked to slither out on the ice and reach in attached by a human daisy chain of firefighters and ropes and hoses if they could and fish some kid freezing and cold and scared out of the ice. When the ice was thick enough to skate, my cousins and I would play ice hockey. And we would play with whatever we had. Sometimes we didn't have a puck, so we would take off somebody's mittens and we'd mash them up into a ball. It was always the youngest kid again because, you know, <laughs> I don't know why my hands are cold, but we're going to have to play hockey. So we started playing <laughs> hockey. Now, because they grow up on skates, my cousins and all their friends were amazing skaters. From Delaware, we were disadvantaged, but we would do the best we could. And one epic day, we started playing hockey. And it started snowing. It's hard to skate on the snow, but it didn't matter. We brushed off the snow, our own little human Zamboni machines, <laughs> and we kept playing. And it got colder and colder. Now, I did have my gloves on. I wasn't the kid without gloves on. But I said, Maddie, I can barely feel my fingers. They're freezing cold. What should we do? He said, we should play more hockey. And we kept playing. We played some more. And now my toes were getting that frostbit feeling. Maddie, I can't feel my toes anymore. What should we do? Play more hockey. Those kids would not stop playing hockey. We played until it was very dark. And then somebody lost the puck. I said, Maddie, it's dark. There's no puck. What should we do? play imaginary hockey. So we're skating around and we're playing imaginary hockey and it became this a game. I pass it to you, Maddie. Maddie, I, I juke Julie. Julie does it. And we're playing imaginary hockey at nine o'clock at night on a freezing winter day on a cranberry bog half covered in snow when all of a sudden Maddie's mother, my aunt, says, what are you boys and girls doing? Everybody freezes. Nothing. She says, are you out there playing hockey? Yeah. What should we do, Aunt Joan? She says, do you have the puck anymore? No. She says, well, play more hockey. And back inside she goes. I told my son that. My son said, Dad, let's go play hockey. And he says, Dad, let's go see the snow. Now, in Los Angeles, you can drive a few hours up into the mountains to see the snow. So when my son was about two and a half years old, I packed him in the car and my wife, and we drove out of the city, and we hit the road that goes up into the mountains. And as we're driving along, I'm telling my son stories of growing up in snow and snow days and what a snow day is and listening to the radio and the hockey story. And my son is all excited. And he looks out. He says, Dad, look, snow. And he points at a white truck that's going by. Oh, honey, that's white, like snow, but that's a truck. That's not snow. Oh, OK, Dad. Dad, snow. He points at a billboard that's got some white in the billboard. Oh, yeah, honey, there's white in the billboard, but that's not. you'll know it's snow as honey when you see it. And I can't quite tell if he just wasn't figuring out the concept or if he was just playing the game that anything white he saw was snow. As we're going up the mountain, my wife turns to me and she said, did you check the weather report? Is there snow up in the mountains right now? And I said, no, I didn't. I thought you did. So as we're driving up the mountain, my son very excited to see snow. We don't know if there is going to be snow up there. And I'm, now I'm starting to worry. And we're driving up, and he's pointing everything as snow. And all of a sudden, my son says, Dad, snow. 
and he points, and it is miles in the distance, a little tiny peak of snow. Yes, honey, that's snow. Let's go there, Dad. Oh, honey, we can't get to that mountain. That is too far. Dad, I want to see the snow, and now I want to get him to the snow, but that's impossible. And I said, no, honey, and I'm trying to explain to him, and he's two and a half in the back seat, two hours into our car ride, and he is not being able to be consoled. And my wife says, just keep driving. Again, that hand on my knee that always helps me just breathe into it. And then finally, my son says, Dad, snow. And he points at a dumpster next to a, a grocery store. Honey, that's a dumpster. No, Dad, next to the dumpster. And I look, and sure enough, next to the dumpster is the detritus of where the snow plows came and scraped it all off of the parking lot and piled it up next to the dumpster. It is covered in the black tar, and there's little bits of little little bits of white snow kind of sticking out, but it's just really, it's just dirt and grime next to a dumpster. And I'm like, well, honey, yeah, that, that is snow, but I think there's probably snow if we keep, Dad, stop and let's see the snow. No, no, honey, that's, that's dirty. Dad, stop the car. And he's now a two-and-a-half-year-old in charge of the family. We absolutely stop the car, unbuckle him from the car seat, and he throws himself on that grimy pile, and he does, Dad, a snow angel. And he's getting grime and little bits of snow and ice, and he makes the tiniest little snowman, a little piece of snow with another little piece of snow and a piece of grime. Dad, look, it's a snowman. And we were playing in the snow. My wife is snapping pictures of this. And I'm like, let's brush off and get in the car, and we drive just a little bit longer and sure enough there is real snow on the ground with real kids sledding on it dad let's sled we have to pull over and buy one of those plastic sleds for 78 dollars at the 7-eleven and I, there's no price that's too high for this and so my son gets up now from the car looking up it looks okay and there's kids going down but as the dad of a two and a half year old looking down at it this thing looks like a sled run of death. It is on the edge of a little drop-off that goes down into a bunch of little boulders. And on the other side, there's um, big trees. And at the very end, there's two, there's three ways to exit. <clears throat> the snow way, which is really nice and soft, and most kids are navigating that. Another massive boulder that you could smash into, or a huge tree over here. And I'm trying to explain to my son how to steer a plastic sled, and I can't, I'm trying to talk to him about it, when the next thing I know I hear, whee! and down the chute he is going go to the right and he's trying to steer and it's going to go off this little ledge and he's going to die no it's going to go over here he's going to smash into a tree and he's going no he's going to smash into the boulder and he's going to die everything is just death oh no 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 and he hits that smooth slope and all the big boys and girls go way to go kid huge smile he truds up with his snow boots and down again and my wife and I smile as he's going up and down this icy chute next to these boulders and these trees and we're sitting there thinking about it when all of a sudden his sled goes down and it turns around and I'm looking at his face as he's going backwards down the hill and he thinks it's fun but I know that he has no way to know where he's going and of course the sled is going off to that little ridge and then over to a tree and it goes and it smashes into that boulder at the bottom it snaps he's on the ground sobbing I am running, sliding, slipping down that hill, trying to get to my son. And I look at him, and he's crying, and he's in his snowsuit and everything. I said, honey, are you okay? Yes. Are you hurt? No. Well, you're really crying. Because I'm hungry. 
We forgot snacks in the car. We didn't get lunch or dinner. He is starving and freezing and half dead on the And we peel him out of the rock and put the, de- the, the, the sled in the car and we drive to the closest place we can find. It's a diner and the waitress comes out. She's so sweet. She says, welcome to the mountains. Well, you can have breakfast for dinner if you want. And my son says, breakfast for dinner? Do you have pancakes? She said, yes, we have pancakes. Mom, can I have pancakes for dinner? Of course, honey. He eats pancakes for dinner. We get in the car, strap him in. He falls asleep in the car. Down the mountain we go. We get back to our house in Los Angeles. And I peel him out of the car seat. Do you remember peeling your kids out of the car seat? Do you remember being carried half asleep, pretending that you were asleep as your parents are carrying you in the house? And I try to brush his teeth and put him in his pajamas and lay him down. I said, honey, you went to see the snow. Yeah. What do you remember about it, baby? He said, we had pancakes for dinner. (laughs) (laughs) And that's my son's first trip to the snow. Antonio Sacre with Pancakes for Dinner, a story recorded live in the Appleseed studio before our terrific studio audience about the simple pleasures of a winter afternoon together. I bet some stories sprang to mind for you from your own life or the life of someone you know as you listened to Antonio's story. Stories have this wonderful way of sprouting and growing as the stories bring up thoughts that grow into conversations. Stories are like seeds in that way. Maybe that's why we call the show The Apple Seed. Coming up, a story from Donna Washington, a retelling of a classic fable from among Aesop's fables. I'm Sam Payne. It's such a pleasure to be with you on the Apple Seed. A moment ago, we heard Pancakes for Dinner, a story told for you by Antonio Sacre about discovering snow for the first time. And we have another performance for you. Now, this performance was so fun to watch in the studio as we recorded it. Of course, we were sitting in Donna Washington's office. You'll only get to hear the story, but you're really going to love it. And Donna does a great job helping you visualize the inflation of, well, a frog blowing up like a balloon in this story about wanting to be something you're not. Here's the exploding frog from Donna Washington. How many of you know a teenager? Yeah. Yeah. Teenagers are are really interesting. Um, I always dedicate this this story to teenagers because teenagers, well, they have a lot of interesting problems. Um, teenage boys get to a certain point and they become monosyllabic. It's like, how are you? Uh. How was your day? Uh. Um, and they get to a certain age and they think it's funny to hurt each other. I remember being in school, and there were boys who couldn't go from the back of the room to the front without whacking everybody upside the back of the head as they went. Anyone ever remember someone like this in school? Teenage girls, they get to a certain age, and they cry for no particular reason. (laughs) 
I remember being in middle school, going into the bathroom, some girl sitting under the sink, oh no, all of her friends petting her. And you, <laughs> you've just walked in there. You have no idea what's going on. Is she okay? Ashley doesn't like my haircut. <laughs> when you're a teenage girl, the world ends five or six times every day. <laughs> and then there's the teenage girl physical problem. Their eyes roll up into the top of their heads, and their heads get loose on their necks, and their tongues flap around, and their lungs expand and contract uncontrollably, and their hips go completely out of joint. It looks like this. (laughs) 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 And the craziest thing is, of course, they think the entire world is sort of rotating around their heads. Everything is about them. <laughs> Everything. And they're unhappy with what they look like. If they're tall, they want to be short. If they're short, they want to be tall. If they're wide, they want to be thin. If they're thin, they want to be a little wider. If they're big, they want to be small. If they're small, they want to be big. If their hair is red, they want to be brown. If it's brown, they want to be black. If it's black, they want to be green. If it's green, they want to be pink. Eventually, some, they dye their hair every different color. They look like tropical fish. <laughs> I always dedicate this story to teenagers. It does get better. I, trust me. It's an Aesop's fable. Once upon a time, there were three little frogs jumping around beside a pond. They were having a great time. They were eating bugs. (laughs) They were singing. (laughs) When out of the forest... There came an ox. Now, an ox is a great big animal, sort of like a cow. Great big horns and a ring in his nose. He came down to the water to drink. (laughs) The three little frogs had never seen an animal that big before in their entire lives. Wow. really big. They jumped in the water with only their eyes peeking out. The ox continued to drink. When he was done, he went back into the trees. You guys can do that with me. That's not hard. Here we go. And the three little frogs jumped around and talked about how big he was. Did you see that? He was big. He was huge. And there was a great big frog on the pond that day. He said, what are you three little frogs talking about? Come here. They jumped over there. They said, we just had the biggest animal in the entire world. He was big. He was huge. One of them said, he was bigger than the oceans. <laughs> one of them said, he was bigger than the mountains. And the little one said, yeah. He was bigger than the world. <laughs> Not great big frogs. Yeah. <laughs> 
I'm the biggest animal on this pond. <laughs> Was be as big as me. Love <laughs> <laughs> Frog said, uh-huh. He was as big as you. He was bigger than you. He was bigger than the oceans. And he was bigger than the mountains. And the little one said, Yeah. He was bigger than the world. Not great big frogs. Ah! I'm the biggest animal on this pond, and I can get bigger still. Watch this. Well. Was he as big as this? Little Frog said, Uh-huh. <laughs> he was bigger than that. He, he was bigger than that. If you remember how big he was, you can say it with me. You ready? Here we go. He was bigger than the oceans. And he was bigger than the mountains. And the little one said, Yeah. He was big. Than the world. My great big frog said, I am the biggest animal on this pond, and I can get bigger still. Watch this. frogs just looked at him. They said, you are a very big frog, but this was not a frog. This was a monster. And he was big. He was huge. One last time, how big was he? He was bigger than the oceans. And he was bigger than the mountains. And the little one said, yeah, he was bigger than the world. And that great big frog said, I am the, oh, come on, this is not hard, say it with me. I am the biggest animal on this Pond, and I can get bigger still. Watch this. Mm -hmm. <gasps> mm -hmm. <gasps> 
That's right. He exploded. Just like a balloon. Pieces of that frog went right up in the air. And the little frog said, Wow. Wow. He exploded. Just like a balloon. Wow. That was kind of exciting. <laughs> they jumped in the water with all their eyes peeking out. Wah! Wah! When all the pieces settled, the three little frogs got out of the water, and all three of them sat on one great big lily pad. And one of them said, Wow. He was a great big frog. The little one said, Yeah. But I don't think he was nearly as big as he wanted to be. <laughs> that story has its own little moral, and I can't, I can't help but say it. As you go through your lives, just be yourselves. <laughs> that is usually more than enough. And that is the story of the exploding frog. <laughs> That was Donna Washington with her version of an Aesop's fable called The Frogs and the Ox. Her version she calls The Exploding Frog. Thanks for joining us today on The Appleseed, and thanks to Antonio Sacre and Donna Washington for sharing their stories. Listening to these stories always brings up memories for me that I love to share. Where do the stories take you, and who will you take along? Our episode today was produced by Brian Tanner and Heather Bigley. Our audio engineers are Carly Wilson and Ashton Parkinson. Trent Horton and Evie Hendricks make up the rest of the Appleseed team. If you want to send us a note, you can email us at theappleseed at byu.edu. That's theappleseed, all one word, at byu.edu. Or if you're listening through a podcast app, rate us. Leave us a little review. It helps people find the show. We're pleased and proud to be among the many shows in the BYU Radio family of programs. And you can find this episode or any episode from our archive on the BYU Radio app at byuradio.org slash Appleseed or by Googling the Appleseed podcast. I'm Sam Payne, and I can't wait to be with you again on the Appleseed. Appleseed.